our lesson tonight out of Jeremiah chapter 26. Listen and turn. Jeremiah 26. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word of the Lord said, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah which come to, the wor come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command you to speak to them, do not diminish a word. And so we see there are several chapters uh, in Jeremiah regarding his uh, messages that God gave to him to speak to Jehoiakim. And this one is towards the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign. Jehoiakim followed Josiah. Josiah was a good king. And Jehoiakim uh, was not a good king. Did not follow the Lord. And so this is one of the messages that God gave to Jeremiah to speak to him and to all the people and not to diminish a word. Whatever God gave him to speak, Jeremiah was to give. And Jeremiah was a good prophet. Jeremiah remained faithful to the word of God and spoke what God gave him and did not diminish a word, even though it wasn't always easy. Verse 3, perhaps everyone will listen and turn from his evil way, that I may relent concerning the calamity which I purpose to bring on them because of the evil of their doings. So this is God speaking and God telling Jeremiah the reason that he is sending him and the reason he doesn't want him to diminish a word because God has a message isn't just to rebuke people, isn't just to make people feel bad, isn't make people just to correct them. God's not a, on a power trip or control trip just to correct every single person. He's not a perfectionist that, that just wants everything just, just his way for no particular reason. God has a purpose and a plan, and he sends Jeremiah, and he sends the prophets for the very purpose that people will listen and then turn from their evil way and turn to God. And that's the purpose of God sending prophets and messengers. And we saw that, we see that throughout the scriptures, Whenever we were diverging from God's word, he sends a prophet to, to speak to us. And that's why it seems like throughout the scriptures, the people are doing wrong, is because the only time, or the most majority of the time that we have any writings from prophets or other things, is when we were doing wrong. And then God sends a prophet, and then we get a whole chapter or a whole book, in Jeremiah's case, 50-something chapters, of when we're doing wrong. We have very little of the time that Jeremiah was a prophet during the time of Josiah. Josiah did what was right, and for the most part, the people were doing what was right. Um, some people weren't, so we do have some messages from Jeremiah during that time, but not a whole lot. And when we had good kings, not a whole lot of prophets uh, rebuking them, and not a whole lot written about that time. So God's purpose of sending the prophets and sending his message is so that we can listen and turn to him and return to him. And God pronounces uh, blessings upon obedience and curses upon disobedience, for one, because to get our attention, blessings can help us to lead us to him and draw closer to him, and sometimes uh, negative events, curses, uh, can wake us up from the stupor that we are in, but also it's just the natural results. If we're disobeying God, if we turn away from God, and that's why he sends a message so that we listen and turn to him, so if we turn away from him, then who are we turning to? We're turning to the devil. And the devil's going to slap us all around, and, and calamity is going to be the natural result of turning away from God. So where he says, I 
send the message so they will listen and turn from their evil way, that I may relent concerning the calamity which I purposed to bring on them because of the evil of their doings. So the, the whole situation could change. God can give a message, you need to turn from their evil ways, you need to do this and this and this, and not do this and this and this, or else this is going to happen. But if a change takes place, then that calamity that was purposed would be averted. And that's what God's desire is. God doesn't want there to be calamities and disasters and problems in our lives and in the world in general. But it's all as a result of sin. Now, why does a young child, five-year-old, have leukemia? Did she sin or did her parents sin? Well, it's the corporate sin. It goes back to Adam and Eve, and it goes back to the sins that have been continued for thousands of years that bring about leukemia in a five-year-old child or, or whatever type of situation. So some sin, some calamities are a direct result of something that we did or something that someone did to us or, or, or surrounded us, and some are just the generational curses and events that take place that bring about the sadness. But that's not God's desire. He wants to change that, and that's why he sends the messages to us. You shall say, the Lord says, if you will not listen to me to walk in my laws, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and I will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. So God sends a warning. If you don't turn, if you will not listen, if you will not listen and turn, if, and walk in my laws, right, so if we turn to God in faith, in belief, in trust, it will bring about a righteous walk. Right? You can't separate the two. We can't turn to God and, and love God and not obey God. They go hand in hand. True love brings about obedience. And that works in our own lives, right? Uh, in, in human interactions. When we love people, we want to do things for them, and we don't want to you know, break their heart by doing what they would not want if it's good for them to be done. So same with our love towards God. It causes a walk. So if, we, if they will not listen to me, in order to walk in my ways, in my laws, then this calamity will take place. Now that's kind of an interesting thing. If God did away with his laws, as some people teach, God's laws were able to be done away with or changed, then he'd have to apologize to all these people. <laughs> Sorry I destroyed your city. I really shouldn't have done that. What I should have done was just done away with the law. Why didn't I think of that back then? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't think of that in Jeremiah's day. So obviously God doesn't change. God's ways are the same. Verse 7. The Kohanim, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah. So we've got these three groupings so far. The Kohanim, the prophets, and all the people heard Jeremiah. And when he finished speaking, all the people seized him, saying, you will surely die. Why did you prophesy in the name of the Lord, saying, This city shall be desolate without any inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah. So we have the Kohanim, the prophets, and the people hearing him, the people seizing him, and the people saying, Why did you, you will die because you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying the city will be desolate. Well, that's not exactly what he said. He said, If you do not listen, and if you do not turn, and if you will not walk in his ways, then the city will be destroyed. So they cut out the most important part, 
And they held on to, you said the city's going to be destroyed. And so um, all the people were gathered against Jeremiah. And they're saying, you were going to die. <laughs> it wasn't easy being a prophet. A lot of people want to, they are probably down through the ages, want to be spokespersons for God. Right? Thus saith the Lord. But, uh, but if we're truly giving the message of thus saith the Lord, it's not an easy job. All the people gathered against Jeremiah. You're going to die. We're going to kill you. And when the princes of Judah, now we have a fourth group, when the princes of Judah heard about this, they came from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat in the entry of the new gate. The Kohanim and the prophets spoke to all the people. So the Kohanim and these other prophets speak to the people, saying, this man deserves to die, for he has prophesied against this city, as you heard with your ears. So the verse before, the people said you're going to die, the people were against Jeremiah. Well, why were the people against Jeremiah? Why did the people say you're going to die? Because the Kohanim and these other prophets stirred them up to say those things and to do those very things. So they stir up this mob, so they pay them off or whatever, they just maybe didn't pay them off, maybe they just get them riled up, misquoting or partially quoting what Jeremiah said, and, or emphasizing, they all heard it, and they just re-emphasized just a certain portion. He says, your houses are going to be gone, you're going to have nowhere to live, your, your village is going to be destroyed, your city is going to be destroyed, your farms are going to be taken away, it's going to be ruined, there's going to be unemployment, it's going to be horrible, all because of Jeremiah. And they stir up the crowd, nothing new under the sun. <laughs> Read the papers in the last few, you know. They stir the people up, and the people say, you're going to die, and they come against him. But the princes come, and they hear all this. And Jeremiah said to all the princes and all the people, you misunderstood me, I didn't really mean that, let me re-say it another way. <laughs> How does Jeremiah react to the words that he said? Jeremiah said to all the princes and all the people, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city. Amend your ways and your doings, again the condition, and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that he has pronounced against you. So he repeats the same thing as he said, just puts it in other words. It's still conditional upon them. It's up to them. You want the city destroyed? Then keep doing what you've been doing. You don't want the city destroyed? You want to live and have prosperity and be happy? Then follow the ways of the Lord. Amend your ways, listen, and turn from your evil ways and turn to God. And walk in his ways. Obey the voice of the Lord your God. Walk in his law. As for me, here I am, in your hand. Do with me as seems good and proper to you. But know for a certain that if you put me to death, you will surely bring innocent blood on yourselves, on this city, and on its inhabitants, for truly the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. This is what makes Jeremiah great. He trusts the Lord. He doesn't care 
about the here and now. He doesn't care about himself. It's not about Jeremiah. It's not about his life. It's not about living longer. Right? He could have justified, well, God, you know, you don't want me to kill, and you don't want me to be killed. You don't want anyone to kill, so I better, you know, ease off on the statements. I don't want to lose my crowd, so I better soften the message a little bit. I'll just talk about love and forgiveness and goodness and grace, and, and we'll all be happy here and sing Kumbaya until Babylon come, <laughs> Babylonians come, and, and we'll be wonderful together. No, he says, this is what God told me. This is what I told you. It's the same message that Moses gave, the same message that David gave, same message all the prophets before me gave, same message from the beginning of time. Walk in his ways and live, disobey, and die. It's pretty simple. It's how it is. It's how it's always been. It's how it always will be. And if you want to kill me, go for it. I'm here. God wants me to die. Hey, I'm willing to die. It'd be a lot easier than living with you creeps. <laughs> you know? But hey, I'm here. Whatever, I'm not running. Um, it's up to you. Whatever you want to do. I'm not going to change the story. I'm not going to change the message God gave me. This is it. Take it or leave it. You can do with me what you want. That's meekness. I don't even think of meekness that way. People misinterpret meekness to be weakness. This is meekness. He's before God, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you want to do, that's fine. And he comes before the people, and he's able to stand firm as a rock. That's true meekness. He's bold in the Lord, strong in the Lord. Trusting in the Lord and not relenting. And that's the type of people that God's looking for today. That will not be tossed to and fro. But they will have their eye on the Lord like a compass needle on the North Pole. Steady and strong, straight and true. Pointing in the right direction, going in the right direction. And leading others in the right direction. It won't be bought, sold changing with the shifting winds and waves, securing God's word, securing his love for them, and not caring about this life or this world, but looking for the everlasting one, everlasting life, the everlasting city, and doing what's God's will. The princes and all the people said to the Kohanim and the prophets, this man does not deserve to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. Well, that's interesting. Who's saying he doesn't need to die? The princes and the people. Who said he needed to die? The Kohanim and the prophets and the people. So the people are vacillating and shifting sands in the wind. Nothing new under the sun. So whoever's got their ear at the moment wins their loyalty. So when the Kohanim and the, and the uh, prophets were pressuring them and speaking to them and nagging them, they went along with them. Let's kill them, obscene. But the princes come and they speak some reason to them. And they hear Jeremiah, and they see he's not vacillating and running. They then shift. There was an election in a country just yesterday. We saw a big shift take place in the last 
days and weeks because of just some movements and some things happening and just a shift and they'll shift again. We saw that back uh, Winston Churchill. The guy won the war. I mean, without him, forget it. If London would have collapsed, you just wouldn't have had a place to go and, and, and launch from and, and uh, wouldn't have that assistance, wouldn't have that there and who knows what would have happened. Stood firm and helped, it kept the United Kingdom anyway from falling if not losing the whole war, the very next election they vote him out. People are fickle. And people do that to you. People have done that to you. People have done that to me. Loyal, loyal. Be loyal to them, you can do nice things for them. And then psh- Switch, change, all of a sudden, uh, the I love you's turned to I hate you and you're a horrible, ugly <laughs> dog, you know, or whatever. Amazing, like overnight sometimes. And if we're not secure in who we are, like Jeremiah, oh, poor me, and we'll crumble. They unfaced me on Facebook and they unliked me and, and we'll collapse. Please, please, please like me. Please love me. If we're with the Lord and following the Lord and doing what the Lord's doing, now, man, if we make a mistake, if we hurt them, if we did something, we certainly should apologize and do what's right and try to do all that we can on our part to make amends and to work a ministry of reconciliation. That's what God has called us to. Ministry of reconciliation. To reconcile people to God and reconcile one with another. But if we're worried about people liking us, people aren't going to like you. That's how it is in this world. Especially if we're walking with the Lord. Because we're naturally born, all of us, including everyone else as well, are naturally born walking with the devil. And so if some of us start walking with the Lord, the rest of us are not going to like them. That's just how it is. That's how it was with Jeremiah. That's how it was with every single one. And that's how it will be today as well. Again, we shouldn't bring about not being liked by being mean and cruel and rude and doing things that aren't nice to people. But if we're doing what the Lord's called us to do and following the Lord and people don't like us, don't get bent out of shape over it. They didn't like Jeremiah. They didn't like Yeshua. So don't expect everybody's going to like us. Don't expect everyone's going to like you. And don't lose it when they don't. And certainly don't compromise to gain their acceptance and their love. Jeremiah did, and that was the thing that helped bring these people around, as we'll see here in a moment. And so we're born with this natural tendency to follow the devil. And all we need to do is listen to the Lord. And then by God's grace, turn from that, turn to him, accept his sacrifice in our behalf. That nullifies our life serving the devil. And gives us the power. He then comes and lives inside us, gives a new life, a new birth, so that we can walk in his way.
and stand firm. That's the only way we'll be able to stand firm. That's the only way Jeremiah was able to be secure in who he was, was because he was surrendered to the Lord. He had a new life in the Lord. And we can have that as well. It's a miracle what God does in our hearts. It's not something natural. It's not something just grit in your teeth. Because if you're that type of stubborn, stiff-necked, unchanging, without the Lord, well, then you're just a miserable you know, person. But sticking to the Lord by the Lord's grace and still being kind and gracious and loving, that's the only reason that Jeremiah is giving this message to the people is because God gave him love for these people. And relentless for decades to continue to minister to them because God gave him love for them. And that's what needs to come across. And that's what needs to be there. And that's the miracle of God. That's what God does. So they say, he doesn't deserve to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord, our God. Certain elders said to all the assembly, Micah of Moresh prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountains of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Now Micah of Moresh, we know him, because we have a book in the Bible written by him, named Micah. And so this is a, what Micah did. He spoke during the time of Hezekiah. We, we, we covered him and, and studied this section when, when we read about Hezekiah and the prophet Micah. And Micah gave the same message that Jeremiah is giving. Again, it's the same message that's been given since the beginning of time. Since God spoke to Adam and Eve, if you sin, you will die. It's the end result. And so Micah gave a message to Hezekiah in Hezekiah's day. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and seek the Lord's favor? The Lord relented concerning the doom which he had pronounced against them, but we are doing great evil against ourselves. So Hezekiah heard the word of Micah and mended his ways. The people mended their ways under King Hezekiah because of the preaching of, of Micah. They didn't put him to death. And the Lord didn't destroy the city then. He put it off. Until we're not following the Lord. And so they're giving that example. Jeremiah is no different than Micah. Giving a message to the Lord. Same message. We didn't kill. Hezekiah didn't kill Micah. We shouldn't kill Jeremiah. It's good reasoning. There was also a man who prophesied in the name of the Lord. Uriah the son of Shimeah. Who prophesied against this city and against this land. According to all the words of Jeremiah. So there was another guy who spoke just like Jeremiah does. And when Jehoiakim, so same time period as Jeremiah, same king, when Jehoiakim, the king, with all his mighty men and all the princes heard his words, the king sought to put Uriah to death. But when Uriah heard it, he was afraid and he fled and went to Egypt. Not like Jeremiah. Not like Jeremiah standing there saying, you want to kill me, kill me? It's up to you. Now sometimes God has said, go flee, right? God had Jeremiah, uh, had Elijah go and hang out at a brook for a while. And so, but it doesn't say that God directed him to go to Egypt. It says he was afraid and fled. That's more like Elijah when he's in a cave. And God has to go and search him out and say, what are you doing here? 
And so he was afraid and fled. Now his problem is, not so much that he's afraid, the problem is, is that he's afraid of the people instead of afraid of the Lord. Right? Those that fear the Lord, respect the Lord, trust the Lord, don't want to displease the Lord in any way, shape, or form, will find acceptance and, and, and God's protection, at least salvation. But he was, afraid, he was afraid of the people, and he fled. He was afraid of the king, and he fled, and he went to Egypt. When Jehoiakim the king sent men to Egypt, they brought Uriah the, from Egypt and brought him to Jehoiakim the king, who killed him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. So it didn't go well with Uriah. Nevertheless, the hand of Iachim, 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 the son of Shephan, was with Jeremiah so that they should not give him into the hand of the people to put him to death. So the people still vacillating, who knows where they're going to go. So this man, Iachim, Iachim, the son of Shephan, who is this guy? That God uses him to keep Jeremiah from being put to death. Who is this guy? That's what I wondered. So I did a little research. Did a little research to find out about that Uriah guy, and he's not mentioned only here. But this guy, Iachem, and his father are mentioned a few times. In 2 Kings 22, verse 9, with King Josiah, Jehoiakim's father, so the king just prior to this time, Zaphan, the scribe, so he was a scribe in the king's court, said to King Josiah, we gave the money to those working on the house of the Lord. And we found the book. And Zaphan read it to Josiah. And when he heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And we covered this story not too far back when we did Josiah. Powerful story. Josiah, young king, wants to remodel the temple because it's in disrepair. And so he sets up the workers and collects the money, puts a box out, and the funds come in. And so he puts Sephin in charge of making sure that the money is used right and getting paid and everything. And while they're cleaning out the temple and getting ready for the renovations, they find the Torah scroll, which hadn't been read in a long time because Josiah's father, Manasseh, was a horrible king for a long time, 50-something years. And so Josiah... So then God uses this man, Sephan, to read the Torah to the king. And the king, unlike Jehoiakim, the king rents his clothes and brings about reform. And a mighty reform takes place throughout Judea. And not just Judea, they go up to Israel and they do mighty reform there as well. And this man was the man. So Jehoiakim's father, Jehoiakim protects Jeremiah, his father reads the scroll to Josiah and is over the remodeling of the temple. In 2 Kings 22, verse 12, so the story continues, Josiah commanded Helikai the Kohanim, Iachim the son of Sephim, Achbor and Sephim the scribe, 
And Asa saying, inquire of the Lord for me and all Judah, for great is the wrath of the Lord against us because our fathers did not obey the words of this book to do all that is written in it. So not only is Sephon a scribe and reading, but his son is in position already. So Sephon must be older at this point. And his son is in position and God sends the father and the son and these two other guys to go and seek from a prophet, this Hilga, or Holda, the word of the Lord concerning them and concerning the Torah that they're reading. So he's playing a role even then during the time, early reign, early time of Josiah, and continues on, and then helps Jeremiah. But now there's even more. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, so this is now after where we're at in the story of Jeremiah and, and Jehoiakim, another 20, maybe 15, I forget how many years, a little bit longer. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, made Gedaliah, the son of Iachim, the son of Sephon, governor over the people who remained in the land of Judah. So this guy, Sephon, serves Josiah, serves the Lord, put in charge of the remodeling of the temple, finds the scroll, or helps, is it part of that finding of the scroll, reads the Torah to the king, raises his son right, his son has a position in the king's court as well, serving the Lord, seeking God's guidance. He trains his son so right that the son is willing to pr protect the true prophet Jeremiah and does so, and then raises his son, Stephen's grandson, Gedaliah, to a part that Nebuchadnezzar then places him over the people after he comes and destroys the city. And we'll get to Gedaliah at some point in our studies here. And he was good, as we'll see. And so God used this Ephraim, blessed him, blessed his son, blessed his grandson. And when we're doing what is right in the sight of the Lord, and God blessed Jeremiah and protected Jeremiah, when we're doing what's right in the sight of the Lord, we won't always be liked. But God's hand of blessing will be upon us. We listen and turn to the Lord. Whether we live or die, some of the prophets died. Even though they didn't fear, even though they didn't flee, some were cut in two, some were stoned, other things happened to other ones. But God's protection, eternal protection, is what counts. And if he chooses to continue to use us, if he continues to have a purpose for us on this earth, he can continue to protect us here and now. And most importantly, he will seal us for eternity. If we trust the Lord and walk in his ways and do his bidding. So there's many lessons that we can learn from this uh, study tonight. Maybe in your heart and your mind, you're hearing God calling upon you to turn and amend your ways. Maybe there's some area in your life that needs to be surrendered to the Lord. You need to accept in that area of your life, maybe you've accepted in general, maybe you've accepted in the past, the forgiveness and sacrifice of the Messiah. But maybe there's some new area or maybe some old area that never was put under the Messiah that God's bringing to your mind now and convicting you of. He's calling you to listen and to turn from that. Maybe some area of disobedience, maybe some area of Neglect. 
maybe some attitude, maybe some feelings or thoughts or actions, maybe motives. He wants you to listen to him and to turn from it and to walk in his laws. Walk in love, forgiveness, mercy, truth, righteousness, holiness. In a moment when we pray, you can surrender that to the Lord, receive his forgiveness, accept his death in place of yours, and he will remove the sin and give you victory over it. He'll change your heart and he'll put his heart into you in that area of your life and give you a new life in that area, and victory in that area. It's that simple and it's that powerful. Life-changing. Maybe like some of the people in this account today, you have been shifted and swayed and pulled and the Kohanim and the prophet are pulling you in one way and the princes are pulling you in another way. You're hearing the message of the Lord and you're not sure which is right. Maybe in the past, you've shifted to wrong sides and followed the crowd while the crowd was moving and shifted when the crowd moved again, maybe. You got caught up in the emotion of the moment. You want to surrender that to the Lord. And you don't want to be like waves tossed with the wind. You don't want to be like sand just blowing here and there. You want to be firmly planted on the rock, Yeshua the Messiah. And even if the winds blow and the waves crack upon it, it will stay secure and be a light tower to others. If that's your desire, in a few moments when we pray, you can make that your prayer and surrender that to the Lord. Maybe like Jeremiah and Uriah, you've heard the message of the Lord and you've shared it with others. But when their faces turned and their anger came against you, you feared like Uriah and fled or softened the message or changed the message to a point where it was no longer the message of the Lord. You diminished the word of the Lord for the acceptance sake alone. Acceptance on your part of them. And you want to surrender that to God. Again, messages should be given in a loving way so that they accept it. But not watered down so it's no longer God's truth. It's a balance there. So when people present truth so unkindly, that is not truth. Even if it's doctrinally correct, it needs to be presented doctrinally, uh, which is loving and merciful, with hope. And so if you've changed the message of the Lord to receive acceptance from people, that the smile of people was more important to you than the smile of God, that the acceptance of people was more important than the acceptance of God. 
And we have a moment now. We have opportunity now to surrender that to the Lord. And the Lord is very merciful and very forgiving. And we'll take that and the record of that and blot it out. And we'll give you the ability to stand. And give you the ability to present God's message in a loving way, in a merciful way, in a hopeful way, and yet in a truthful way as well. And give you the ability to stand whether people love you or not. Whether they want to kill you or not. And the time is coming, the Bible predicts, where they'll want to kill us all no matter what. Will we be able to stand? Only if we trust in the Lord. God gave that for Jeremiah, God can give it to us. Yeshua lived it out, he can live it out in us again. Maybe you're a parent or a grandparent. God's calling you to be a living example like Sephim. To stand firm and stand true and live a godly life so that generational, that your son will be used in protecting the prophet of the Lord. That your grandson will be placed in a position to lead the people who remained in the city. God wants to use us in raising up generations of godly people. If you have children or grandchildren, or even nieces and nephews, or maybe just the children in your workplace, people God has placed you to be a godly example over, or maybe where you go to school, or maybe in your neighborhood, or in some group that you're a part of, God wants us to live lives like Sephim, or however you pronounce his name. Probably botched them all, but whatever the case. To live lives so that it passes down to others, and those others will pass it down to others. And for Sephim's son, Iakim, I, or however he pronounces it, for him to stand by Jeremiah, he was risking his own life. And he did it anyway. God's calling you to stand by someone who's being persecuted unwrongly. Having the Kohanim and all these other prophets against Jeremiah, for him to stand up and stand with Jeremiah and protect Jeremiah, he put his own life on the line. God may be calling you today to stand up for someone else who's being mistreated at work wrongly, or at school, or in your family, or in your neighborhood, or in some social setting that you have. Better to stand with the righteous. Better to stand with those being wrongly oppressed than to be silent when God has called us to speak or do or act. So maybe God's calling you to that now. To be a godly parent, to be a godly grandparent. Again, maybe over biological children or spiritual children. And when we pray, ask God to give you the character to do so and be that kind of light. Maybe God's calling you to be a defender of those who are being oppressed wrongly. And ask God to give you the courage and strength to do what is right, whether in word or deed, but to stand and do what is right for God's cause and for God's righteousness. So if any of those areas or maybe something else God has been speaking to you tonight, applies to you, let us pray and let God work in our hearts and lives. Let us listen to him 
and turn our eyes upon him. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we are thankful for your righteousness and your holiness. We're thankful for your example to us. That you are consistent. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for being merciful and loving. Thank you for not wanting us to be on a path of destruction. Thank you for giving us messages to turn us towards you. Thank you for your consistency. Thank you for instilling that in people like Jeremiah and Sephan and, and Anakim and Fidelia. And live out of us and apply these lessons to our lives. Whatever applies to us tonight, work in us. Provide the sacrifice, provide the atonement, provide the forgiveness, transform us and change us and fill us with your spirit so that we can stand, so we can be loving, so we can be consistent, that we can be the protectors of those in need, that we can be reconcilers, we can be used by you. And may it transfer from us to others and from them to others as well. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.